Everything I've done, I've done for you. I moved the stars for no one except for our listeners of the podcast. I'm Tom, and have an old English sheepdog that looks very similar to Ambrosius from Labyrinth. I go by the nickname Mr. T, and both a massive David Bowie fan and walkabout mini golf competitive player. So I'm ready to do some sort of magical dance given the focus of this episode. But for now, you can find all the mini golf designs, reviews, and more for myself and the Pink Putter at a couplefputs.com and on social media at couplefputs. If you're looking for someone to design a mini golf course in real life or a hole, check out minigolfdesigners.com and you can find some new mini golf merch by us at minigolfgoods.com. And I'm Pat, co-founder of the mini golf website and social media conglomerate, The Putting Penguin. You can find all our penguin fun by looking for Putting Penguin on all of the socials. And while you're out there scrolling, don't forget to follow Puttcast Mini accounts as well. Finally, I ask for so little. Just fear me, love me, do as I say, and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a glowing review, and I will be your mini golf slave. And as of course you probably already know, this is the official podcast of the American Mini Golf Alliance, the AMA. Ourselves and a group of mini golf enthusiasts are working to bring together people passionate about the game. Become a member for free at amaminigolf.com and we'll send you a membership card in the mail. And we have new merch available to order on our site. Check it out. And we have a sponsor. Our sponsor is Bertie, the lanyard that holds your pencil and scorecard. It's an expensive scoring accessory for all who enjoy mini golf. They are sponsoring our podcast and the American Mini Golf Alliance, and we want to give them a shout out. You'll find the Berties available. We're giving a handful of those away at our upcoming tournaments. And we're happy to say that Bertie is going to be throwing a little bit of money at some of our prize purses in our upcoming AMA tournament. So thank you to Bertie for sponsoring the American Mini Golf Alliance and the podcast. And you can putt when ready. All right. Today we have some of the biggest guests we have ever had on the podcast as they are part of the team that brings the world one of our favorite games, Walkabout Mini Golf. It's the biggest virtual reality game in our world and on market for that matter, and definitely the biggest mini golf video game out there in general. And we're excited to have them on tonight as we're recording it, as their latest course, by the time you hear this, has just dropped, which was made in partnership with the Jim Henson Company and modeled after the 1986 fantastical movie Labyrinth. Please welcome to the podcast from the Mighty Coconut, Don Carson and Henning Kotchke. Hi. Welcome. Howdy. Welcome. So we're going to get it kicked off. We'll get into a lot of your guys' backgrounds as we go through it. But the, obviously the pressing question with the theme of the movie is, what is your guys' relationship to the movie Labyrinth? Any stories about first time seeing it? Were you big fans I think it's got kind of a cult classic, although definitely has probably gotten some re-emergence with streaming as many things did. I I wouldn't say I was a super fanboy, although I do have my little Jareth pop over here and have a lot of fond memories of it myself growing up and a lot of strange memories because it's kind of a creepy movie if you're a kid watching it the first time, but very interested just to start off with like, what are your guys' feelings with the movie? And I wasn't a super fanboy either. The first time I saw it actually was in Austin with Lucas, my boss, the director of Mighty Coconut. And we saw a uh, an Alamo draft house doing like a uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 version of <laughs> Labyrinth. So that's that was my introduction. I've since watched it again uh, for <laughs> research. But. Yeah, I've, I've been a real big fan since I was young of the work of Brian uh, Froud, as well as Jim Henson's work. And so uh, with, with the Muppets and uh, Dark Crystal and then Labyrinth, uh, we have a long list of things we would love to work on for future courses. And we have sort of this rarefied list of, if only someone would let us do this, 
And close to the top of that list was Labyrinth. And so uh, we were leaning towards uh, approaching IPs and Labyrinth was the first we went to. And amazingly, they just said, yes, <laughs> we would love to work with you. That That's awesome. That's amazing. Well, Tav, you could go ahead and now share your story with how <laughs> you like, I guess, engaged with the movie. So... I realized I probably didn't see it as a kid. I saw Dark Crystal, I watched the Muppets, but I never mm -hmm. saw Labyrinth in full, which would explain a lot of things of why I was felt sheltered around music. But weirdly enough, uh, the record label that I've continued to run, one of the bands that I worked with, Stunning, played an outdoor show that preceded showing Labyrinth outside, but it was like hanging out with friends and kind of watching it. Oh, right, there's David Bowie. I think I'd seen this. And then last week... After I played the easy and hard courses, I'm like, we're doing this interview with two of the people that like went really into the movie and pulled things out for the game. Probably should watch it. And I had the experience of watching the movie being like, oh, yeah, the movie follows the game. <laughs> so I was just like, oh, that's cool. That's the, that's Ludo. But like, you know, the, the guy that was hanging upside down on that one hole. But now I know his name. So I had a really strange disconnected way of Backwards. of going through it but you know knew all of the pieces of it being a huge Bowie fan and Henson fan so it was kind of an exciting discovery and then also realizing like little things about the movie that I'm sure that you realize you're like oh wow like the ADR and like little things like that back in the 80s is like a is like a fun thing to go back into um but before we get too much further actually we were chatting a little bit before our interview about the backgrounds of both Don and Henning. And I would love to start with you, Don. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you've come to now. Well, tell us about what you do on Walkabout and then tell us how you came to Walkabout. Well, I'm an art director at Walkabout. I've been here since September of last year. And as I mentioned uh, earlier that I uh, wrote a fan letter to the team uh, because I thought that their work was just so marvelous. Uh, bogeys had just come mm -hmm. out and it, as far as I was concerned it had really really pushed the envelope for what was possible uh, for a miniature golf experience or a virtual storytelling environment uh, my background is initially as an illustrator I've I eventually worked for Walt Disney Imagineering designing attractions for the theme parks uh, and then the game Mist came mm -hmm. out which interestingly we are mm -hmm. also working on a course for and I really opened my eyes to the possibility that you could do the same kind of storytelling with environments on a computer. And I was seeing that happening with Walkabout. So uh, I ha do have video game experience. I worked for uh, Dynamics here in Eugene, Oregon, where I live now and have for 27 years. Um, and I've dipped in and out of theme parks and video games. So it wasn't completely alien to me. Uh, but uh, being able to marry those two worlds of environmental storytelling in a physical way and theme parks and then doing it in a virtual way in the computer, it just feels like all of my training has <laughs> led me to uh, working on these courses that we're working on right now. Mm -hmm. Those environments, yeah. We're going to talk a lot more about them because there is a lot to dig in there and they're amazing. But Henning, tell us a little bit about your background and what you do at Walkabout. Um, I was in New York City commercial animation for 13 years and uh, helped Lucas out every once in a while when Mighty Coconut was still an animation company. Uh, and I, I got there two years ago around around Halloween. So I've been, I've been here pretty much since the first original five that Lucas basically did himself. Uh, two years now and um yeah don brought up that that fan letter that that uh just that was like a that was a high point of my life my wife is a huge disney fan and to have this imagine your guy look at our work and say this is kind of like what we're doing and i can appreciate the same <laughs> the same dna of 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 what you're doing in walkabout golf just reading that for her and my kids was <laughs> I thought the crowning achievement of my career. And then Don came on to work with us. It was amazing. With within like two Yay. months. 
Well, it's interesting for like you guys touched on a couple of things that brought me into the game. One, the storytelling, because I think Tom and I would agree on this, like some of the best in real life mini golf courses have that storytelling mm-hmm. aspect that really bring you through. I mean, the Disney courses being some of them as well. But then the um, also that Disney, I think of like original Gothic, like that course always has a very um, Nightmare Before Christmas mm. feel to it. And I'm a huge Nightmare Before Christmas person. So the first time I played the hard version of that, I was just like, I- I'm sold. Like, th- I don't care anything else. This game's got me. Mm. Yeah, the, the themes, the stories, the environment is almost, it's, I, I can't say if it's 50-50 with the golf aspect or the the locations and the themes and the stories is probably more important to us now because it, it we just got so such good feedback that people are immersed in and want to keep coming back and that's our that's our bread and butter is return customers keeping them in <laughs> keep buying that downloadable content yeah oh yeah and I mean with this new course Pat and I were fortunate to get an early build just so that when we come into this interview, we've seen it a little bit and, you know, it might've taken a long lunch today once I saw that you could get the putter and the balls were there and I might've found like 14 of the balls and got the putter. Um, very, very productive work lunch and just digging through that and won't give any spoilers, but the Easter eggs in there was just like, oh, did I just stumble upon that? Like just the little things within this course for Labyrinth and all of the other courses are just, it, it. for those of you that have not played it, it goes so beyond just the confines of where you're hitting the ball and then some. I mean, you might be going, if you were to approximate it to like reality, 10 stories into a building where stuff is built out so how did you how did you approach that with labyrinth you know how long does it take to build something out like that well our courses take roughly about nine months from beginning to end um and we're not dedicated to one course Mm -hmm. during that nine months we're jumping back and forth between many in a in a in a line our labyrinth took us almost well 10 10 or 11 um all together uh, the biggest challenge is it's the biggest one we've ever done. It's huge compared to our other courses. It's filled with animated characters, which we had not <laughs> done apart from uh, sheep eating pie. Uh, but uh, so it was a really ambitious and the amount of sort of pressure uh, because we not only love the IP and that world, we also didn't want to um, disappoint. We wanted to deliver on uh, people's expectations, people who've who've loved it from the beginning, so that when they arrive, they arrive in the world that they remembered, and yet it's the world they remembered with a miniature golf park in it. So, <laughs> so we do have the ability to to firmly place our tongue in our cheeks as we're we, we're lovingly recreating these environments. It's these environments where you put a ball, and I guess along that theme, like when you. When you found out what you were doing, Labyrinth, was there any part of the movie that jumped out and you're like, yes, I cannot wait to try to tackle how we turn that into a mini golf environment or a mini golf hole specifically? I think it was the bog of eternal stench. Got to get that in there. (laughs) I was definitely most excited about that. The biggest challenge, I guess, was getting all these movie beats in there as best as we could and and having to cut a few we can't get all of it in but there's only 18 holes only 18 possible story beats you know but uh yeah hopefully we got all the all the <laughs> our favorites in and hopefully the, the fans aren't too disappointed about what's missing i was also excited about the idea of how you you weave the progression um when you have that much geometry happening at the same time you kind of want to hide stuff behind layers and so uh, since luckily this is a labyrinth uh, and you're down in it most of the time, it gives us the ability to really, while you're in each scene, really pay a lot of attention to the detail in that scene. And then when you move to the next scene, we're not having to necessarily render all the past ones and the, the ones ahead of us. So uh, it allowed us to do stuff we hadn't done on this scale yeah. before. 
um, you still have that God mode view where you see everything in front of you. And we wanted to capture too that sort of awe-inspiring moment in the film where you just look out and just see how incredibly vast that labyrinth is, uh, despite the fact that really you're only playing in sort of a pie slice uh, section of what you see when you arrive. Yeah, having just that scene visible to you at the time, at the at a time that pie slice made it uh, made it, gave us the ability to uh, really focus on that and pack more detail into every every hole slash scene than we had ever in other in other courses. Like we couldn't reuse anything because you couldn't see you couldn't you can't see too much of the course from. Uh, one you can't see too much outside of that scene that hole that you're in so we really had to pack it in and that's <laughs> that's another stepping up of the ambition of this is every hole is its own story mm -hmm. and, and what i love about the extra detail is is that the holes are their own story but as if you're gonna a person like me that has walkabout you get to the hard and you do the fox hunt you're going to find out that you're going to have to explore a handful of areas that you might not be playing around in when you're putting. And that's the really great thing I think about the game is that the mini golf is real. It's fun and it's an adventure and it, there's a story going on in itself. But then on top of it, you have the layers of it's kind of like finding the literal Easter eggs, which end up being mini golf balls in the easy courses. And then on the harder courses you have like a mystery which having gone through the whole thing what's also genius is you touch on the movie so well like there's like little lines where it's like oh i do remember that since i just watched it yesterday what that's in reference to that's that room i'm gonna go there and get it and i think it's challenging enough that people will have to think about it and go back to it but it's also something that's not going to be like overly frustrating if you're a kid or, you know, you don't want to be challenged too much, you, you can figure it out. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just love the expansiveness of the stuff that you can just explore and you can yeah. hit the trigger yes. and jump to the next hole after you make your putt, or you can follow the, your own path. There's more labyrinth out there than just what you see at the holes. Go yeah. flying around, mm -hmm. go exploring. <laughs> Yeah, we 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 knew that uh, we were going to at least aesthetically suggest that the labyrinth continued away in the background. But early on, we knew that we needed to make that labyrinth explorable. So there is a path <laughs> from one side to the other, which you can you you can walk it if you want to. I'm sure some fans will. Um, but uh, that was important to us that that was a functioning labyrinth back there. I did walk it a little bit, and then I was like, no, I'm not spending, I don't have that much time for this. <laughs> and this was actually one of the, the courses where I knew, like I think you talk about like hitting that expectation. I think the opening scene when you come in there, I think people are just automatically going to be grabbed by it because of the way it's set up. And it, I, I don't know the first time I played through that I hit the trigger at all to move forward. I was like, no, I'm going to walk the path between the holes that's, because love, that's great. that's part of the, this story. I love to hear that pant, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you yes. It isn't. It's in our name. <laughs> yes, yes. Walk it. <laughs> I'd walk like to it. say that that I do that all the time. I I will say this as like a caveat that there's a ton of settings that I change, and I think it, Lucas and some other people told me like try moving this around that in VR, first off, I got kind of a little motion sick and then I adjusted some settings and it's like, okay, but I can't fly super fast through like, oh, I'm just going to mm -hmm. go weaving through. I'm like, oh, okay, need to, need to stop. But that being said, like this was a course that immediately is like, okay, I'm going to do my very slow fly through up and under, especially around like the last holes. It's like, what happens if I go through this all the way? <laughs> and yeah, there's so many rewards, so many Easter eggs. I was trying not to like spoil things for Pat. And it's like, did you see the thing and the the room, that room? And it's like, yeah, okay. What, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay. Because I didn't really want to spoil any of that for him. And I guess I'm going to steal one of Pat's questions and talk about it like a really uh, specific hole. Number 17 how much harder was it to design that hole? For those of you that are playing it probably already now, it's the first time where you are putting and you're not flat on the ground when you're putting a couple of them. And that is 
amongst many things, one of the more completely new things that I imagine had some problem solving with it. Spoiler alert. That's the, uh, <laughs> that's the, uh, what they call it? The oubliette in the movie. Yes. Where they're walking on walls mm-hmm. and Jareth is spinning around. <laughs> There's a, <laughs> yeah. The, the, the maze room. Uh, well, Lucas, mm-hmm. Lucas figured out how to, I don't want to spot. Should I spot? Yeah. Okay. You're, you're putting on the, the walls and the, the ceilings if you want. No, not, uh, gravity changes. Yes. Gravity's, gravity's defraud is, is defied. Just like in, in the movie. Space, we had, like we had to do it. We had to have some reference yeah. to that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a whole new mechanic that we had to figure out for the, for this one. Yeah. And who knows where we'll use it again. We had, we had to put it in this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm curious whether you wanted to, you know, talk about specific holes, but there were obviously animated people off the course. Obviously, none of them, to my memory, there weren't any of the animated characters that were in the field of play that could impact the movement of the ball towards the cup. Yeah. Humongous and his axe. Yes. The big robot. Yes. But that one's like a pretty like steady, yes, steady thing. But, you know, so I'm trying to think, what are some of the things that for people playing to kind of keep an eye out for that are really new to this course, the 13th course of the walkabout family of courses? Like what's really new in this that people should keep an eye out for as general new updates? Apart from this, the obvious aesthetic ones, Henning, do you have... Uh, um, uh, the actual gameplay, what is different about that? It's except for that that one you mentioned, seventeen. It's it's a pretty standard mini golf, bouncing off walls, using ramps, all that stuff. We just uh, integrated this one into the story and in a more ambitious way than we've ever done before. That's the big thing about this one and. Yeah, the characters you can I think you can bounce it off Hoggle's head if if you <laughs> grab the ball or somehow loft it into the air. He must have he's he's got a collider and I'm pretty sure. Yeah. We do have the first moving target uh we've done oh, with yes. the hole the cup itself. actually moving. I was just gonna say you guys are giving your you're not giving yourself enough credit there. That one the first time through, that was a stroke limit. It's like, oh, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just I, six inches. Oh, okay, stroke limit. Like it just kept missing. It's it's so satisfying when you get the ball to line up so that the ball actually the hole the actually comes yeah. in and greets it and it pops in. I, that's that my was, favorite thing. That didn't register because that ability has been there. That took no new development that the ability to move the cup around has been there since the beginning. And we just had to wait for the right opportunity to use that. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Interesting. Yeah. So we'll pivot, we'll pivot away from walkabout for a minute and let's, let's go to some in real life discussion. Do you guys have any favorite in real life mini golf courses or any that you have taken inspiration from as you've worked on walkabout? I've actually worked on many uh, miniature golf uh, courses, not all of them built, but my good friend Joe and Cicero was the lead creative for both the Fantasia Gardens and um, Winter Summerland. Uh, So uh, he has a very, very playful nature and uh, we're both huge mini golf fans. Um, And I've actually worked with Dynamics on uh, 3D Ultra mini golf with my good friend, Sean Bird, who was the art director for that as well. Uh, which I believe is the only miniature virtual miniature golf game that hang, involves coins that like uh, Mario, where you actually putt through spinning coins to, to make points. And I have a favorite one, but I can tell oh, Tom has a million questions for Don now. <laughs> so I'll let you go. No, no, no. You go, you go first. You go first, Henning, please. I, liked, I like the, let's see, there's this brand new one in Austin that Lucas took me to called Dreamland. I really enjoyed that one. It's yep. A, kind of more artsy one and uh mm-hmm. yeah you might you might see a reference or two in some of the holes <laughs> to uh to some of the holes in dreamland 
Oh. Now, now we got a spippy page special eye because Tom and I have played that a few I, times. We, we made videos of the entire course, so we've we've spent some time on that. I mean, the big kind of response was Winter Summerland and Fantasia Gardens at Disney are some of like the top of the list for myself and my wife. When we talk about great mini golf for our money, a lot of people would be like, oh, go to Branson or Pigeon Forge or Myrtle Beach or Jersey Shore. But those courses specifically and add in the universal ones have some of the most unique gameplay in the entire world. They, I mean, you have Disney and you have Universal. They have money that they can burn, but they spend it in a way to make a course that is completely immersive, tells an amazing story. The themes just integrate right into the play. I mean, it. That's that's when mini golf is really at its best, and honestly, that's why walkabouts really successful. That you clearly are integrating real things that would be a themed environment that you expect to see in these places, and you put them into play. And the the nice thing is, is you don't have to deal with any sort of. I mean, you deal with a little bit of physics, but you don't have to worry about like if I'm in Coyote Valley and I take a bad step and I get hit by the windmill and I get knocked over the cliff, I'm dead. Yes. If your course gets shut <laughs> no, down, OSHA. you know, you don't you don't have to worry about the turf wearing out, you know, and bad weather closing down the course you for the day. You don't need to put hand railings oh. everywhere yeah. for safety mm, reasons, I, but it helps yes. so much sell it as a real place. Yeah. That we end, end up doing. I legit tried to put my hand on a railing <laughs> once. I think when we were playing with Tom, I was just because it's just like such a natural reaction as you're standing there. But I've totally done that. I love to like thinking about it, like that the Fantasia course with the which one's the one that actually goes through the movies, fairways or gardens? I always get the two gardens. Gardens is the one that could, but that's very similar, elaborate, and you're following the movie through all of those set pieces. And I, I I'm a huge Sorcerer's Apprentice person so if, yeah i got jareth here but i got all sorts of mickey stuff over there with sorcerer's apprentice so yeah i i love that course yeah well joe Lucicero comes from an animation background he worked for uh, disney animation before going to imagineering and so bringing that sort of and we we use the word story a lot um but we don't use it in a linear sure. way it's much more about uh, what are the rules by which the universe of this place fall within? And how can we playfully interact with the, the participant so that they are in on the story? And I think Winter Summerland is a perfect example of, it's, it's a one-line joke, really, but it's paid off at every hole mm -hmm. as is playing off of the, the summer and the winter, the snow, the, you know, the Hawaiian shirts, and the fact that it's Santa Claus going through the entire thing. Um, it's just a, a, a really elegant piece of storytelling mm -hmm. that lets the players in on the story. They get to walk them right away with their own memories. Um, and what we try to do too with Walkabout is that if, if someone arrives first to a hole before anybody else and there's kind of a gag there, they get to own it and bring it back to you guys, you have to come over here and see this thing. You know, um, there's very little that we have to do other than place a couple of those cookies uh, in the, in the path of the players so that they can build their own narrative around it. Yeah. I, we love it. We love it. And it makes sense that you're drawing inspiration from some of those courses that we already love. I'm curious, you're clearly always coming up with ideas and you've probably are now being in the mini golf world from the thing you've been creating for the last couple of years, seeing all these different tropes and themes out there. Is there any theme you know, without giving away maybe things you're already building that you're want to recreate and walk about that's out there in the world. Like game mechanically or story-wise, theme-wise? Uh, yeah. Both. I mean, Pat, Pat, I think, like, how many pirate courses and dinosaur <laughs> right. courses? Like, you've already, you've got seen? a space course with the station. You've got the windmills, obviously, with Coyote Valley. So, like, yeah, you know, um, what are those tropes out there where, if any, where you've looked at and like, yeah, I can make an immersive world about this. You kind of have pirates. Yeah. We're definitely doing, 
we're definitely doing that. And also the Discord, there are people who keep bringing up specific things, but not really that's the genesis mm -hmm. of Coyote Valley is we want windmills. Well, what's Walkabout's answer to that request? So we're working on stuff right now that's our answer to people's requests for specific environments. Um, and it just lets us really dive deep into how are we going to yeah, deliver just that. Was really adamant that we're not going to do just a single windmill hole. We're going to do a whole course based on it and add a wind, wind mechanic for good measure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We might have been, we might have uh, been hinted into a conversation that happened in the walkabout team where you're sort of trying to figure out what would be like the worst theme for a course. <laughs> never and work. Like, well, that would just be bad. <laughs> and if, but if I could give it away, someone said, well, we, we decided that it was Frasier, <laughs> that a Frasier themed course would just be terrible, which. That would be rough. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Although we are, we are always thinking about, yeah. especially with the IPs, what can we do that will surprise people? Uh, we'll test people's expectation. And it's certainly labyrinth arriving, you know, a lot of forehead slapping happens, you know, like, Oh my gosh, I never thought of that. And then, um, uh, when we approached the cyan folks about a missed course, uh, it's hard for a video game to <laughs> court a video game <laughs> and say, but what we didn't realize was they had been playing it and they were big fans. And so it was an immediate yes. And it's been just so wonderful working with them. So what is the other things that we can look at? What other into you know 2023 can we surprise our audience with That's a marriage totally that, that you weren't expecting? And it's yeah. uh, try to figure and out it's you, uh, like sorry yeah sorry, <laughs> <laughs> toss alden scrambled eggs hole started off um well, radio baby, here's those greens of colin <laughs> <laughs> as long as there was like a uh, uh somehow a cheers crossover as well <laughs> that got thrown in there i think i think we'd be all yeah, set with whole that one is cheers <laughs> did did I tell you, Pat, yes. because of that conversation, I decided to look for the dumbest idea for a podcast and it exists. They start with cheers. They're like, it's the Fraser Crane universe. I was like, wow, holy crap, this exists. They're like, yeah, we had this idea. We worked at college radio together and here we have a podcast. And it's like tons of episodes. It's like, wow, everything exists in the world. I mean, so, we do a podcast on holy moly. So yes, everything exists in the world. <laughs> It's true. It's very true. Any were there any other like well, okay, let's get away from the bad ideas. Are there IP that you are without like again going into conversations already having that all things being equal, you love to put into walkabout? Oh yeah. Without a doubt. We have a we have a list, an ongoing list of of um, of potential IPs. Some are are mega that you know uh we're probably not ready for uh you know just <laughs> emotionally to jump into that pool uh we really like the little yeah the little obscure uh, ips are are much more fun to partner with um and we also have the challenge too of finding ips that have a mechanism to allow us to talk mm. to them you know uh, you know hey we're from outside and we're not making beach towels based on your characters we want to do a miniature golf cart so uh there's a lot of sort of introducing ourselves to them and uh, it really helps if they've played the game, really helps if they love the game. Uh, but uh, we're knocking on lots of doors and there's lots of good reception. But we're also in, in the enviable position where we, um, we're, we have no end of ideas to come up with our own things. The IP things are just a little spice that we're adding each year to the, the lineup. We have, we have our list for sure. Like, I don't know if we should mention any, but yeah. Word, no. Uh, you, yeah, they'll be great. They'll be great. I was going to say, do you want? Were there ones that are just like so unrealistic you want to put out in the world so that maybe someone hears it and then you can manifest it? Uh, I want to jinx it. No, because I don't want to. I like as we, it, I we like may it. be talking to them. No. <laughs> On some level, we may actually be talking that's, to them. That's yeah. exciting for us. That I, I love the ambition with it and just what you're trying 
to do with the game. Um, we hope we hope when yeah. we uh, approach even a big IP that's way out of our league that uh, you know they remember, hey, it's just mini golf, and we don't have to be so serious and canonical and, and protective of our of our property because you know let's just let these guys go with <laughs> what yeah hopefully and that's we trust that's been the case with uh, labyrinth and, and yeah. cayenne so far I feel like it's the uh, the yeah. Lego way of approaching that's right exactly like that's right. the same thing like like they've got these mm-hmm. huge IPs but the way they're able to do it is like it's Lego so like who cares if Lego Darth Vader is doing yeah, weird stuff because he's not actually Darth Vader, right? It's not canon, right? Right. It's, it's the exactly Lego the version. Analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's. I think it was, that was definitely that was definitely a feeling that I think that the Jim Henson Company had was that they were that they didn't have to worry ter- terribly about us necessarily getting every texture right. Uh, well, ours is a playful interpretation in our very graphic style. Uh, which gave us a lot of carte blanche to interpret their designs in a very playful play. So almost toy playset way. Cool. Pat. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like, we've talked a little about Henny. I want to try to see if there's a way to dive in more to like the, the puzzle aspects or anything again, mm-hmm. trying to not give away things, but like stuff that you really want to work into like the actual gameplay of a mini golf hole that you haven't yet or stuff that you've seen in real life like yeah the moving hole i mean there are some courses actually i think the universal course has a hole that spins that you you've got to get but like are there other types of things out there that you're like yeah one of these days i'm gonna put in like you know the big old ferris wheel that the ball gets to travel around or something like that Mm. we've been yeah, we've been gradually working our way toward more and more out there ideas. We try and ground it in reality to, to still make it feel like you're on a real mini golf course, and you know the physics have to have to match and and get and sell it. Um, but you know, we can we can do things that you could never do on a golf course, like put on the wall now in 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 vr so uh you know we we could transport the ball in a in a portal to the other side of the of the course we could um hop it up off a of a a spring pad we have we have a number of courses that are going a little more off the wall with the mechanic with the mechanics uh in in process now so i can't go (laughs) <laughs> you know i, I, yeah, I will yeah, tread on, yeah. on what we're actually doing if i go too much farther i'll be very curious to see what the people for, for those of you that are not as familiar with walkabout and the larger community there are a ton of walkabout discord groups where people meet up and they have competitive tournaments weekly daily match play all sorts of stuff and my first two times playing those courses, having played in the walkabout weekly leagues, was there are going to be some fussy putters that are going to get a little bit upset at some of the elements where skill is always important, but there's going to be a lot of luck with a lot of moving parts, with a lot of complicated things going on and telling the story, which for my money... I like that. I appreciate as much a putt-putt hole where you can always get a hole-in-one and there's an ace opportunity automatically and holes that tell an amazing story and there's no way you're going to get a hole-in-one without literally, like, in some walkabout games you can, like, there's cheats where you're hitting off something that jumps a wall or whatever, but the reality is is you're going to have to really, like, set up several putts and you got to hope that luck goes your way, which is, frankly, outside of the competitive mini golf world, which is the overwhelming majority of people that play mini golf. That's what people like about mini golf. You can go and you're going to have mm-hmm. a five-year-old kid and their parents and the five-year-old at some courses has mm-hmm. as good of a chance at beating their parents. And there's something poetic about it. It's like those family 
family games like Candyland or Shoots and Ladders. Some, you know, like some of it's going to come down to luck. And that's, I think we all like that a little bit. That's why people gamble. That's why you like to gamble, Pat, right? Yeah. Play, play a little craps. It's like, you know, it, it feels like more earned. But yeah, that I, I think that's like something that I really appreciate that's in this. Do you think about that element of it? Because I think competitive players would be like, boy, you got to really like focus on the skill. Like how much are you balancing that? Uh, the, yeah, that's important to us to still make the, the, the whole amenable, inscrutable to a, to a really skilled player. That said, you know, I, some, I sometimes get annoyed that people solve the the puzzle of the whole, and then it's you know it's a known entity. You have to hit it at so and so speed on over this dot, and you'll get an automatic hole in one. Of course, there's still massive skill, and and you know it's amazing how mm-hmm. much variability you can get with just the speed and the angle of your putter. Those two input devices can still create so much randomness and chaos but if you're really dialed into that uh yeah you can you can uh, get a get a hole on in one reliably and that's that's important to us but uh and and to the community of of tournament players so, um but you know sometimes i just want to throw a, a random spinner in there and and you have to recover from <laughs> from wherever you wherever you get left that's where you have to putt from that's more actual uh, you know that's improvising and that's that demonstrates your actual skill more to me you know i wouldn't i wouldn't make a completely random unfair one but i i am intrigued lately by the idea of you know not being able to predict exactly where you're going to be and having to recover from that and and improvise your way to the cup Ooh, I think you th- came up with an idea for an entire course to make something completely <laughs> random and unfair. Be just like, find an IP where everything's not fair and just create a course. It's like, oh, you got it in the hole. You got an eight. <laughs> and then someone else gets it in after you. Oh, you got a one. Hey, you hit it like four times and they hit it like one. It's like, oh, that's life. But it's interesting, like, there is a parallel to the in real life on the competitive side, too, where you talk about, like, well, if I always hit the ball mm. here at this speed, I've got this great chance at a hole-in-one. But the variability, like, I mean, we always tell people when you play in an in real life tournament, like, the first thing you should do is find the best player there and watch what they do. Mm-hmm. And then you have to try to replicate that, which is the really hard part. But, um, you know, the thing that you don't have that we have in real life is at least you don't have to worry about weather, right? So at least if I always hit, I'm not worried about, well, is it running slower because it just rained yesterday or, and I actually love the, um, the hard course of um, El Dorado because just like playing in the quote unquote rain, just, you know, we get that, but like not having to worry about the fact that the rain is doing anything is just adds a layer of fun to that. But so I think it's, it is, I, I do like that it does parallel that to the extent that, yep, everybody can know how to do it, but still executing, you have to have that skill to be able to do it reliably. Yeah. In which half the time Tom will show me like, yeah, you just got to hit this little thing and bounce over, you you know, cut the corner. I'm like, yeah, sure. My ball goes <laughs> off into the stratosphere. I don't, I don't know all the, the routes that people come up with. I, it's amazing to me that they can do that and reliably hit that same weight and angle every time. Uh, that's not <laughs> the realm of <laughs> VR mini golf that I'm playing at. That's not the realm of in real life mini golf that I'm used to. I've played with people who can reliably get scores in the twenties in mini golf. And that to me feels like, it's it's a very very rare situation for that to have happen, but yeah, if you if you want to go totally nuts, uh, going to the next level, uh, made me think of like the weights that you. I, I'm not sure if you're aware, but that over in Europe that they use different weighted non dimpled balls hmm. for different holes. So they'll use oh. glass ones. They'll use dead balls uh-huh. like that are just have these like weird weights to them. 
That was what actually one of my friends was asking. He was like, well, there's different balls that you can collect. Do they do different things? Like, the, you know, do they roll differently or even the different putters? I'm like, I don't think so. But maybe in the future they will. Who knows? Per, per hole, you're switching out the ball. Like this hole is meant to be played with this. And everyone has to play with yep. the glass ball. Within a, That's interesting. Within a hole. You can choose. Well, you get to choose. Uh, per hole. You get to choose. And... I've, I'm correct, Pat. There are tournaments where you can switch the ball within the hole. Nope. Nope. Always got to always Nope. <laughs> start the start wow. and finish the wow. hole with the ball. But every but you can every hole is different. Yeah. And so they'll do. And again, this is where weather and stuff comes in. And so you'll have people. You know, some of these tournaments it'll be 18 different balls for the holes. But if it's 10 degrees warmer. When you play your second round two hours later, you may have to use a different ball because the rubber, you know, bounces a different way or whatever. It's 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 a much more the the European style is a much more complicated way and a lot more on a sport. I mean, they still enjoy mini golf as you know, mini golf too, oh but like from a competitive aspect, it's it's different. And so I'd be interested to see, yeah, like as more of those players start to come in, if you get more requests, like, Hey, I want the balls to do this. And, but actually was leading me to think, and this is, I guess, slightly more on the the business side, but curious to think like, as it expands, hopefully into the future, we get beyond, do you see stuff like having just partnerships with regular mini golf courses and finding ways to like, maybe it's not a whole course, you know, mom and pop shop, probably not going to be able to, to do that, but like things where there may be opportunities to, to play or like a vintage course that doesn't exist anymore oh, for fun. some of those things, like that stuff for, you know, branded fun. lost balls in there. It, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. Yeah, there's definitely an opportunity to do an homage and we talk about that a lot. Uh, we don't have anything slated yet, but it's definitely high in our mind at some point we really need to to just do it do a send up of everybody's yeah. expectation of the mom and pop fun a lot center of people request i feel like the of dinosaurs golf. were a big feature and and mm. the monsters that were supposed to be dinosaurs but didn't quite make it <laughs> or a big feature <laughs> of those old vintage courses and uh yeah just like windmill we got to eventually figure up figure out our answer to that Gotta do the dinosaur right. Yeah. Because we can take you, because we can take you anywhere, that's our biggest challenge is where where mm-hmm. does this happen? You know, is there a because we could just re- reproduce a, you know, a sort of a homage to a flat <laughs> parking lot version of, you know, with with, with paper mache or concrete of the Flintstones or something. But uh, you know, where what's the playful tongue-in-cheek, mm-hmm. little bit of a wink? Um, where people want to hang out and fly around for an hour while they chat I mean, with their I think, from across I the think country. you got 1920s uh, New that? York City rooftop mm-hmm. right there for you. <laughs> yeah. Good yeah. luck finding photos yeah. of those. Those are yeah. so hard to come by. <laughs> that early, early days of mini golf. But I think whatever you all do, I am certain that Pat and I will be watching and playing because aside from being out on a real mini golf course, this is as good as you can get. And frankly, like you guys have been talking about, there's just stuff you're doing that we can't bring into the world of mini golf due to not falling over cliffs and all of that. And frankly, for accessibility, it's the best thing ever. There's people that play sitting down, they can play in a wheelchair. There's all sorts of different ways that People can enjoy mini golf even more so than in real life that I think is just fantastic. So kudos to you all. And we will definitely be playing lots more Labyrinth and have lots more opinions and uh, excited to see what you all come up with next. nodding furiously at at every point you're making. Yes. Podcast nods. Yes. Well, it's also funny because, because Labyrinth has been kind of done for us for a month or two. You know, with the exception of the final polish, we're deep into the next couple. So we're just as excited about you seeing those as we are with the release of Lab- Labyrinth. How, how many should we expect in yeah. the next, by the end of 2022? don't know if we have an exact number we can quote, but but I like many. that. Like many. <laughs> it's more than one. 
Yes. We, all, we also. <laughs> right. We knew we were right. Missed well, you know you're getting missed. I also don't want to uh, overpromise either. But others as well. This is going to be a tougher one to like right. go back through a to get the game, but then like <laughs> it's easy for Labyrinth to watch it for an hour and a half. Missed different experience <laughs> if you're going to get caught up on that. Yeah. Even if you watch it play through, that's going to be eight hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I guess before we wrap up, um, do you guys have any questions for us? We talked, you know, a lot about the the virtual side. Got into a little in real life, but. Um, you guys got any questions for, for what we do or anything that interests you? Um, maybe you can steal and take back for <laughs> the things that you do in the future. Well, what are your plans for a potentially post COVID or less COVID world? Do you have big travel plans coming up in the future sometime? <laughs> Pat's just like, I played like a hundred, I played uh, 60 new courses last year <laughs> alone. Uh, oh, wow. The, road trips and everything uh so many other things i haven't seen much live music but i've pretty much played nearly every course in the state of minnesota i charted them out made a couple of putts.com slash minnesota and have just been updating it with new courses that get added but there's like only a handful and far-flung areas but it's putting things on the bucket list and checking them off and playing a lot. The That's great. the biggest on my list have been old courses, though. Mm-hmm. And the the one that I'll send you a photo for reference, but the most unique hole that Pat's seen it <laughs> that I saw in Guerneville, California, Pee Wee Golf course built in 1948, was a hole where there's two men standing around a big thing of soup, and in the soup was a human being. It was a cannibal themed okay. hole. First one of the first one of its kind. So if you ever do a classic course, that is the whole course. Uh, it was built by this guy. Uh, I'm blanking on his name off the top of my head. Who had nightmares and he just put these characters oh in it. God. And then people over the years more or less softened it and ripped off his ideas almost identically. But it was like this tortured dreams and weird more demonic looking dinosaurs and stuff. So it's <laughs> yeah. those kind of courses before they go away. I think one of the things that was nice about COVID was that mini golf was kind of a COVID safe yes. activity. Cause you were, especially outside, you were outside, you yes. kind of naturally socially distanced. Yeah. And so, Bubbles I mean, we play. had an opportunity to play quite a few tournaments the past couple of years, most of them locally drivable, but I think from, Opening back up, I know Tom and I are both looking to want to go internationally and play in some of those tournaments, meet some of the folks that we know through walkabout, um, you know, meet them in person and play some of those ones. I think that would be the big thing is is just knocking those things off the bucket list and having a chance to to meet up with more people and, ha- and, and honestly having them come to us as well because they haven't had that opportunity mm-hmm. the past couple of years either. Right. Is there an omnibus or, or a tome or... Bible for miniature golf to have a look at that exists out there or does that still, um, I guess the, probably the, the, well, there's probably a couple things. I don't know, Tom, we could probably talk about some of the books, but like from a, like what is currently happening in the world of competitive mini golf, there's the world mini golf sport federation. So there's an actual federation. I'm a part of it. It's think about it as any of those Olympic type, things that work world round. And so they go have a really good background of what all goes into that on their website, which is minigolfsport.com. But then there's, I don't know that there's really a definitive book or, you know, we try to do what we can with our websites, but everything is very decentralized. You get some people who have some really great ideas of like, I'm going to go document this sort of stuff. And um, I know there's a couple books that have been out there over the past, what, 50, 60 years that have taken these shots of dozens of courses and you have like this slice in time. But um, yeah, there's really just not like the encyclopedia mini golf no. that's out there. No. I mean, we started our website after picking up the John Margolis book in 1989. Or from 1989, we started our thing only about like 10, 11 years ago. And when we saw that book, what the thing that was the most, yeah, there it is. The most. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The AstroTurf one. Yeah. 
I the have most surprising thing to us was how many of those courses did not exist, including one that was supposedly in St. Paul that I never, mm-hmm. being in Minnesota, mm-hmm. I don't ever remember even seeing as a kid. And so we were determined to document what was currently going on in that same way by photos and just to have a history. And in the 10 years, there's numerous courses that were older or even newer that have closed in that period of time. So I think between Pat, myself, O Street Mini Golf, and a handful of other people around you know, the internet, I think that's kind of where the current tome is because it's just, it's constantly in flux. Courses are going from, that course plays pretty well to they haven't replaced the turf in 20 years and there's massive tears in it. Some of them swing back. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing when we started with the Putting Penguin. I mean, a bit of it was course reviews and more of a summer thing that we were trying to do, but it quickly evolved into even in the, first couple of years we saw the courses were like, well, we just got to document some of this stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, we've got about, I don't know, 250 courses that we've played just ourselves forgetting the ones who've done like visitor reviews for our site. I guess I probably about a fifth of those have gone under in the 20 years. I mean, it, it with the churn, it, yeah. it's sad. I mean, a lot of them just, I mean, there's way too many that have become condos. It's true. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's, and a good that's real. Land. That's real. It's funny. We both were sharing an article back and forth about how a new mini golf course is opening in Myrtle Beach, which is sort of known as being the hub of mini golf because of the quantity. But they haven't had a course open there in over 13 years and in that same period of time where we had been like seeking out to go there, the amount that have closed is pretty considerable. And sadly, the ones that have closed are all of the older style ones. There's very, very few, minus maybe like Rainbow Falls and sometimes Captain Kane is open across all of Myrtle Beach. Those are like the only courses that are remnants of the 70s there. So it's that kind of a city, like most of the courses there were built 90s maybe some in the eighties. So you're, you're losing out, I think on a lot of aesthetic things that just don't end up showing up on courses as much. And when it's being done commercially like that. So yeah, there we, I think, yeah, it's just, you have to like dig around online, but there's people doing really interesting, creative things, arts world pop-ups in their neighborhoods. And that's the kind of stuff that I think we really get excited about both of us were like whoa did you see these people really pushing it and again like these are the reasons why during the pandemic it's like so grateful to have things like walkabout where it's like we get to explore a whole new universe and do it safely and have a conversation when we're four hour flight away in many cases and farther with others that is fascinating you guys are going around and, and documenting the the culture of mini golf before it, you know, inevitably, inevitably some will go away, but you guys are just uh, historians in a way, studiers, documenters of the art. And I, I am so curious as, you know, players of more serious players of real mini golf than I or, or Don, you've been to more courses, you know, you know them like the back of your hand are there are there like uh mechanics that you'll concepts that you'll see over and over again repeated do you get bored of any particular kind of hole that you've played before you can recognize it this is this is where it gets really nerdy might be inside uh, inside golf metal cups mm. cups with the metal rims Love the sound of a ball falling into a metal cup. The metal rims play terrible. Uh, that is universally disliked. Uh, there are, this is how nerdy it gets. There are specific course builders that have specific ways they build courses and the types of bricks that they use and the amount of space between the bricks that make them play way less consistently. Mm. And 
people get driven nuts by it because the wider the brick, the more that you have a target to hit off of and play an angled shot, the narrower the brick, you have a really low room for error. And as people who've played walkabout know, you catch them that crack, that crack between the rocks. All of a sudden a shot that was like an inch off ends up seven, eight feet away from the cup. And maybe you have something in your way where you don't even have a line anymore. So, you know, there's little things like that, but I would say metal cups and poorly maintained turf would be like the pet peeves more than I think anything stylistically. I think some people hate pipes. Yeah, pipes because they add somewhat of a random, although mm -hmm. the best courses find the way to minimize that as much as possible um, in terms of like if it's supposed to be a hole in one, it will, you know, 999 times out of a thousand actually go in there. Yeah, metal cups. The other thing that I have a pet peeve for is the like rubber starting mats. Instead of just starting yeah. on the, t- like you wouldn't walk about, like you just got to start on the turf, you know, there, the rubber mats, I always felt like, you know, they'll catch your club wrong, especially if you're just playing like with the house clubs and stuff that are rubble, rubber. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think otherwise, I don't know that, yeah, there's really gameplay. I mean, people all have their, you know, do they like the courses that are more just rocks and hills and, you know, like seagull stacks type stuff, or do they like the um, obstacles with a little bit of luck and chance in there? Some of the best courses find a way to do mixes of the two so that you can have that. But um, I'm in the sweet topia over seagull stacks (laughs) any day type thing and it's purely (laughs) an aesthetic thing like that does not appeal like there's people that are like i like want a small version of golf i'm like no like i want to i want to i want to like be in willy wonka's chocolate factory and hit the ball and watch something Mm -hmm. happen i i Mm -hmm. i'm not like choosing to play golf because i you know it's like oh i can't afford a set of clubs or whatever it's like i don't want to play golf i want to play mini golf (laughs) And I, I want things that like are very much leaning into, yeah, we got windmills. Yeah, we got weird novelties and hippos and giraffes and all of that stuff. A volcano with fire, more the merrier for me. I think it's, yeah, I, I think there's so many different ways you can do a course in a lot of different styles well. If you're an owner and operator of that course that really puts attention and care into it and makes it a welcoming environment doesn't really matter the style of the course i've seen courses that get the themes and stuff right but do a terrible job in making it like a good environment to be in and vice versa i've seen courses that are kind of pretty straightforward that you get in them and you get the vibe and you see the little idiosyncrasies i think pat we've talked about this heartland in uh long beach island in the jersey shore from the road it just looked like kind of run of the mill and then i played it i was like wow there was a lot of thought in the game design. And when you actually play it, you're it's like, this is a cool experience. Like I wouldn't have expected from the side of the road. Yeah. The the experience it, it does kind of parallel that walkabout, right? Like you want to feel in it, but it's in real life, it's like, well, you know, do you have a nice setting? Do you have ice cream that you you know, good ice cream or, or you know, a, a bar, a lot of you know, that's the popular thing too now. So it's it's more than really just the 18 holes that you're going to play is if I'm going to go there for two hours and depending on who I'm going with, right? Like my, my experience with my two young kids is very different than my experience when I go out and play with Tom, even if it's not in a tournament, like you just have to have a course that can cater to that wide group and deliver to all of them. And those are the best courses. You're, you're, uh, we read you loud and clear. We can't do the taste of ice. We can't get the taste of ice cream across in VR <laughs> quite yet. But man, we are starting to think about yeah. just making each course just a more and more fun place to hang out and adding little chill spots. Well, it's like the Welcome Island, right? Like, I mean, there's the the beauty of that is just the simplicity, right? Like, all right, yeah, I'll go up the mountain and hang out in the waterfall, like. 
Sure. <laughs> that's what I that's that's what I immediately mm-hmm. thought of with uh, with Shangri La. I think the mm-hmm. thing that I liked most about it that there was just like off to the side. There's like a cup of tea and some pillows, and I was like, oh man, I did, talk about a, with a person who has very very itchy feet and likes to travel internationally. That like scratched a virtual mm-hmm. itch that I really needed, and I didn't realize I needed until I was on it. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, me too. Me too. We we also are really working on. We want there to be an establishing shot. We want you to arrive, and I think it happens in um, Sweetopia when you come out of that cave, and it's just like there it is, just rolling off into the distance. Um, we're doing that so that this is a place I want to explore. I can't wait to go to see what's around the corner and what happens with the next hole, not only what challenges it gives me, but what environment is it in? And especially those ones that mm-hmm. circle back on themselves where you're, you're, I was down here, but now I'm up here and I get this whole different vantage point. And then at the end, I'm up here and I get a whole nother vantage point um, while we still really embrace and understand that we're at our heart a miniature golf course so the playfulness the that awe that moment of awe when you first see it um, and it is a place you want to hang out with your friends in even if you're not playing golf and thank you to our guests and as a reminder walkabouts labyrinth course will be available as of the publishing of this podcast check it out. We strongly recommend it. But for now, we're going to jump to Big Thoughts Mini Golf. I, I can remember standing by the wall and the windmills spun above our heads and we putted as though nothing could fall and the shame was on the other side. Oh, we can beat them forever and ever. Then we could be mini golfers just for one day. We can be mini golfers. We can be mini golfers. We can be mini golfers just for one day. We can be mini golfers. And with that, we're at the 19th hole. So rest in peace, David Bowie. And until next time, putt when ready. I wasn't going to say that. No way. (laughs)